Welcome to First Things First, the weekly podcast where we talk about God, faith, and life in Shallow Water, Texas. Our podcast is a production of First Shallow Water, and you can find more information about our church by clicking on the link in the description of this episode. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to First Things First, the podcast where we come together and we spend time talking to people who are famous right here in our small town of Shallow Water, Texas. These are people that you worship with on Sunday mornings, people you shop with in the grocery store and you part next to in the Sonic. And today I am so excited to get to one, um, be the guest host. Obviously, I'm not Pastor Brad. This is Anna. And I am really excited to get to spend time talking to somebody that you are definitely going to want to know if you don't already. And today our guest on the show is Carrie Sarche. Carrie is a very, very important part of our office staff team. And so I am so excited to get to talk to her a little bit about what God has done in her life, what God is doing in her life, and just allow you to know a little bit more about Carrie. So Carrie, welcome. We're so glad to have you today. Thank you, Anna. It's good to be here. I'm glad you were here. Um, So Carrie and I are both kind of doing the (coughs) West Texas uh, throat clearing today. So excuse us if we have to pause for some of that. You know how this beautiful West Texas weather is, the wind we had this weekend. I it don't was think lovely, it was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So now that we've got all that stuff settled in us, um, we hope that that doesn't interfere with our recording today. But we know that you guys will be patient with us if it does. So Carrie, what is it that you think people need to know about Carrie Sarche? Tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself. Well, I uh, grew up on a farm uh, near Slayton, and I am one of 10 children. Oh! My my parents had 10 children, so... Okay, wait. How did I not know that? <laughs> so tell yeah. us about those 10 children. So I am number nine, so I am... A- way on the tail end of our family, but uh, my sister, my oldest sister, just turned 80 this year. (gasps) And so I think she was 17 when I was born, and my mom was 18 when she was born. So it was like having another mother. But I have six brothers and three sisters. Oh, my God. I cannot believe I did not know that about you. So what was it? like growing up in a family like that? Well, it was, it was good. It was really awesome to have that many siblings. Mm -hmm. We could, uh, we could play baseball and have, (gasps) you know, have a whole game and, and basketball and. Yeah. Y'all didn't even have to have ghost runners. We always had to have ghost runners. (laughs) Right. And so that was a lot of fun. We, of course, me and my, my little brother were quite a bit younger than the rest of them. My uh, next older brother was six years older than me. So wow, yeah. So uh, we had a lot of parents yes. <laughs> in our family, not just our our true parents, but the older brothers and sisters took care of us too. Oh so. wow! And so growing up on the farm, and mm-hmm. you still kind of live the farm life, kind of, sort of. Yeah, we have four and a half acres. So, yeah, yeah. And your chickens. chickens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, um, I, because I had so many brothers, I never really, uh, 
drove a tractor or did any of that kind of farm work. I didn't mm-hmm. have to hoe cotton. But. Yes. <laughs> and and so. if you haven't ever had to hoe cotton, everybody should have to yes. do that at yes. some point. In your, in your bikini. You yes, know? yes. <laughs> so you can get a good tan. Bikini and baby, uh, ba- baby oil. You yes. had to have your baby oil. My yes. dad would always get so mad at me when we were going to go out and um, work with the cotton. And we would. he was from the generation you cover up your whole body and, you know, yes. you're protecting yourself from the sun. Uh-huh. I was a smart generation. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so, uh, so we all get skin cancer. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But we looked good. We did. Yes, <laughs> we did. So, um, my dad, uh, was an alcoholic okay. and so that was tough. He was never, ever, um, abusive in any way. Mm. But he was just someone who had this horrible disease, and yeah. I never really had a relationship with him. Hmm. So he was yeah. somebody that occupied a chair in our living room. And and you were not the only person that has experienced that. Certainly, yeah. as there are people listening, there are a lot of people mm. that that connect to that. Um, and that part of your story. So I'm interested to hear how that kind of weaves into your mm-hmm. your story as as yeah. we continue to talk. Yeah. So. Um, I grew up, uh, went to Cooper High School, uh, played basketball. Um, I uh, was very, very shy, <laughs> extremely shy. And um, so I was very insulated, very protected through high school. When I got out of high school, I made some really, really bad choices. And But looking back, I came out of that shyness through that period. Mm. You know what I mean? And and I, I regret it immensely yeah. and actually went through a, a long period of time where I really had uh, just self-hate because of mm. it. And, uh, but I did overcome that shyness through that period. Um, I grew up Catholic, um, got married in, in 1984. Um, my husband was not Catholic, and so we had a mixed marriage and, um, I always wanted him to go to church with me, but he, he never did really Mm -hmm. because, well, he didn't understand it. He didn't grow up with that. Yeah. And and I, I don't blame him for, for not getting interested in the Catholic Catholicism. Um, I remember a time when I, I went to Barnes and Noble and I was going to buy a book to tell him about Catholicism. Uh You know, I know there's, what do Baptists believe? But, yes. So I was looking for that type of book at the at Barnes and Noble, and I couldn't find one. Okay. And um, anyway, so I never, I guess I questioned myself what it was all about because I couldn't, I couldn't justify what I believed, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so we had, uh, we had kids. We had. We had lived in Irving for a while. We moved back uh, to West Texas, moved, bought a house in shallow water. And uh, my husband wanted to go to the Methodist church. Mm-hmm. And I was reluctant, very re- reluctant. My family has been Catholic for hundreds and hundreds of years, yeah. all the way back in Germany. And, um, but we did. We joined the Methodist church. And... I think that was the start of my awakening. My mm. spiritual journey was there. Um, long story short, he stopped going. We went through a divorce. Um, 
that church became my hospital. Mm. And the ladies in that church were were so wonderful and so caring and and they helped me through a really, really difficult time. But there was one evening that um we were in a Beth Moore study mm-hmm. and it was the one uh a woman's heart, God's dwelling place. It's oh, about yeah. the tabernacle. Yes. Oh, that just opened my eyes to so much because I'd had I'd not had any of that teaching, mm-hmm. and I just I just soaked it up. And um, one night in the video, uh, Beth Moore was talking about Hebrews seven twenty five, which says, "Therefore, he is able to save oh. completely those yeah. who come to God through him." And she said, don't you ever believe that God is not able. Mm. And I had been through so much guilt and, and just pleading with God that he would forgive me. And I never felt any relief. And in that moment, in just a split second, I felt that relief. Yeah. And he healed me from that. It was me that was not forgiving. Mm. And isn't that so often the case? Actually, I was just thinking about this today because, you know, Satan does such a great job of pulling up all those past sins, those Mm -hmm. past things that we're ashamed of, that we wish we'd have done differently, whether it's, you know, the things you do post high school um, or it's things that you do in a relationship, you know, whatever it is, man, Satan is so good about reminding us of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to be so consistent about reminding ourselves who Jesus says that we are. And that as far <clears throat> as the East is from the West, yes. so far have I removed your transgressions from you. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, why do you think it's so hard for us to own that? Why are we so quick to grab on the guilt and shame and so so slow in grabbing on? Remember what I said about the East and the West? Yeah, I just we're, I guess we're just... It's so hard for us to forgive ourselves. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just, it made me almost ill, you know, to, yeah. to think about it. And and I knew that that wasn't me. Yeah. That was not me the way I acted back then. And so, yeah. um, I don't know, maybe we want to not forgive ourselves too. Mm. Maybe we want to, to keep that guilt. Yeah. Almost a punishment mm-hmm. to ourselves. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I can I can totally connect to that. And um I think probably most of us listening can connect mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Know? Can I share um just some scripture real yeah, quick? Yeah, please. So this is something uh that came to me during that time. I'd been separated and divorced and I was reading in Isaiah mm-hmm. and this scripture just jumped out at me and, and this is Isaiah fifty four and he's he's talking about the future glory of of uh, Israel on Zion. But in verse four, it says, do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will never, you will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. Mm. And so that just, 
it just comforted me so much to know that that God is my husband. You know, he's he's the one that loves me that the way that nobody else can. No man mm-hmm. can love you the way God yeah. does. And we try to put men in that place. Yeah. And, and they can't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not fair to them. Yeah. And and the same could be true for our, our men listeners. You know, there is no woman that can mm-hmm. can meet your needs. So we we were never intended to be fulfilled by anything other than God. Right. Um, but you're right, we do try all kinds of things to try to get mm-hmm. that and it always leads to mm-hmm. disastrous results doesn't mm-hmm. it yeah. yeah yeah especially when you're young and and you're newly married you know you have this ideal yeah that of how it's supposed to be and yeah anyway yeah um, and so that just goes back to that whole idea of you know wherever we are um god has to be that first things mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. and then the others are the beautiful things that he puts in our lives to Help us grow and point us towards him. Right. Right. In the right order. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Definitely mm-hmm. a purpose for all of that. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your shyness. You said that um, <laughs> you you went through some things that really kind of helped you overcome that. What, what were some of the things that you feel like kind of helped you uh, get beyond that? Um, I went, well, just the whole, you know, after high school, just doing the things that I shouldn't have been doing, like, and and my dad was an alcoholic, and you would think I wouldn't have succumbed to that, but mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, I abused it, mm-hmm. and uh, I had so many friends, and I was popular, and um, it was just totally different from who I was before. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, in a weird kind of way, it helped me. Um, I prayed so hard that neither one of my kids would do that. Yeah. You know, that they'd find other ways to, uh, to, and, and Josh is not shy at all. He's completely, completely comfortable in his skin, but Carly is just like me. And, um, and so she found singing, mm, you know, she does so, have a beautiful, so that, uh, that was answered prayer. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a family trait because, uh, a lot of my brothers are very, quiet uh-huh. and my dad was quiet and so I think it's a family trait um but I did do the the Dell Carnegie course oh, I think yeah. that helped a lot and just getting out in the workforce and and taking care of um myself that way and becoming more independent so, yeah yeah finding yeah. your voice on yes yeah. yeah yeah pushing well, myself really you know yeah it was hard but I had to push myself to to do things. Yeah. Well, that, that's, you know, it's, it's always so interesting to me how God designed us all with such different personalities. Um, I always had talks too much checked on my report (laughs) card and then I'm married, you know, to somebody who like you is, he's kind of a quiet guy. And, um, but looking at, um, how God just uses our different personalities, but then also how he uses one another to help us grow into more than just, Mm-hmm. that, uh, that nature, our tendency, you know, and kind of gets us outside of our comfort zones mm-hmm. to, um, be able to be a voice for him at some point. So that kind of leads me to a question to ask you, what are some ways you think that God has kind of led you outside that comfort zone for his glory? Um, just being able to share my testimony with people, mm-hmm. um, 
and most recently I shared my testimony with a group of ladies um, that meet on Tuesday here at the church. And we have, uh, I guess there's five of us. And um, we all decided that each one of us would give our testimony. Oh, cool. um, and so recently I did that and I told the, the whole story. Um, and, and so I think that helps. Um, I have worked uh, Emmaus Walks. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to give my testimony before a group of, of women that way. And um, uh, you never know who's going to be there that your talk speaks specifically to, right. you know. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about um, Emmaus Walks. I know that that is a huge part of uh, your faith walk, and we'll dig more into your faith mm-hmm. walk here in just a second. But tell us a little bit about your work with Emmaus. Um, yeah, so um, I have worked, I don't know, four or five walks. Um, it's it's a, a women's retreat. They have men's retreats too, but um, there are up to uh, 72 people that mm-hmm. are on this walk. Some of them are working uh, the walk and uh, probably about half. And the other half are pilgrims, mm-hmm. women who have never been on a walk and someone has sponsored them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they're on this weekend retreat. And um, it's just a wonderful uh, time away. It's 72 hours and uh, you're completely... Uh, separated from the world Mm -hmm. you know you don't even take a watch or a uh, phone oh wow and we don't do that very often right right and it's just a beautiful experience where um you're just learning about um god the father the holy spirit and jesus Mm -hmm. Uh, each day is centered around each one of the um the the personhoods of of god so yeah it's just a, a wonderful wonderful retreat. But every time I have, um, worked a walk, I get something out of it as well. You know, that's the way it always works. isn't Mm -hmm. it? We never do something for God that he doesn't use to do something in our lives as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So I went in, uh, let's see, I started working here in 93. So I went in 1994. Um, Sandra White was my sponsor and Roxanne, St. Clair also was sponsored by Sandra that weekend and Tammy Hammersley. All three of us were on the same walk. And so it was just such a beautiful experience. And I just uh, found out that Jesus loved me Mm. so deeply, you know, and and, um, I would recommend it for anybody. Yeah. So. so if you ever have questions about that, uh, Carrie would be a great person to talk to. She also just mentioned something that I think is really important for you to know about Carrie. She has served in our church for 20 years. Yeah. We just celebrated her anniversary uh, just a few weeks ago, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, she's been so faithful in her work during good times and bad times, up times, down times. <laughs> uh, so I'd be remiss if we didn't stop and just say thank you for Aww. doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, lessons you've learned along the way with that journey? Um, well, just, just that um, I'm here to, to serve, you know, and, and serve the staff. People come and go. Mm-hmm. And personalities come and go, and the personality of the whole staff changes with mm-hmm. the the change of the 
the pastor, especially. Yeah, um, I'm sure that's true. And so you have to be willing to, uh, you know, to be flexible yeah. as those changes come. And um, I, I was, you know, I, like I said, I grew up Catholic. I'd been a member at the uh, Methodist Church for a few years when I was hired here. And so I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> so, um, you know, everyone has always been so kind and so wonderful. Peggy Cowart was, mm. uh, she was incredible. She was the person that showed me the ropes. And uh, she's she's a wonderful, wonderful Christian lady. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and the staff that I've worked here with here have all been wonderful. So that's awesome. Well, we are very grateful for yeah. you. Thank you. So we've gotten to hear a little bit about your background and, and um, growing up. Um, but one of the things that I'm really interested <coughs> to get to uh, have people here today and share is about your faith story. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've mentioned a few things coming from a Catholic background and then discovering uh, Jesus in a different setting, your mm-hmm. walks to Emmaus, um, those things that... Um, God has been using to kind of prepare you, but help put all that in context. How would you tell us about uh, how you came to faith in Christ? I think I, I've always believed in God. In fact, when I was a little child, I could just imagine that he was right there with me in bed, you know, and uh, when I'd say my prayers at night. Um, but the Bible says that even the demons believe and shudder. Mm. So it wasn't until I had that experience in that Bethmore class, mm-hmm. I think, um, that really, uh, where I surrendered and, um, I just see, I see things that happened in my life. They were moments that moved me, um, going through the divorce, the separation and divorce, uh, wrecked me, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was very, very hard, and just that rejection. Um, I I was angry, mm-hmm. very, very angry at God. Um, even though I believed in Him, and I I believed that He was the God of the universe, and and um, but I also in that believed that He could have prevented it. You know, Mm -hmm. and and he had the power to do that, but that was not what he had planned for me. And um, so I would, there was a a CD, a Brian Adams CD, Mm -hmm. and uh, his greatest hits, I guess, (laughs) but I would play that thing over and over. Anytime I was in the car driving, I would play that CD and... um, it just, it comforted me. Um, I can remember driving back, uh, from, well, let me just start over. I would, I would listen to a particular song on that CD and it was everything I do. I do it for you was Mm -hmm. the name of it. Mm -hmm. And I would listen to it over and over and over and pull into my garage. The kids were with their dad, uh, pull into my garage, turn the car off and the garage door would go on down and I would listen to the song over and over and over in the dark, just bawling my eyes mm-hmm. out. And it was like throwing salt on an open wound. You know, yeah. why do we do that? Yeah. I was, I remember Sandra White had a little card, uh, 
that said, don't be a little piggy and waller in your muck. Uh-huh. And that's what I was doing, wallering uh-huh. in, in my in my desperation and, and the situation that I was in. And I, can I just read those yes, lyrics? Please. Let me find it. And if you're thinking, I've never heard of the Christian artist, Brian Adams. It's, it's secular. because he's not a yes. Christian. So if you're from my time zone, you know, that we loved Brian Adams. Yes. And God can use a secular yes, he song. Can. Yeah. He can use anything yeah. to reach us. So here's the words. It says, look into my eyes. You will see what you mean to me. Search your heart. Search your soul. When you find me there, you'll search no mm. more. Don't tell me it's not worth trying for. You can't tell me it's not worth dying for. You know it's true. Everything I do, I do it for you. Look into your heart. You will find that there is nothing there to hide. Take me as I am. Take my life. I would give it all. I would sacrifice. Don't tell me it's not worth fighting for. I can't help it. There's nothing I want more. You know it's true. Everything I do, I do it for you. And then it it ends um, with, um, I would die for you. Mm. And so I remember I was driving back from Lubbock, and again, I was playing that song over and over and over, and I was so angry at God. And I remember hitting the the steering wheel and saying, why can't I have this? Mm. And, um, And I heard... I did die for you. And so in that moment, again, just like in the Beth Moore class, in a flash, my attitude changed. Wow. And um, that song never made me cry again, except for gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Because I knew that he had died for me. Yeah. And the things that we think in this world that are going to fulfill us, you know, our marriages or the perfect dating relationship or the best job or the money or all those things, they are always, always going to fall short. Mm-hmm. But he never does. No. And isn't it beautiful the way that he uses creative means of mm-hmm. reminding us everything I do, I do it for you. Mm-hmm. That sacrifice. I never, ever thought of that song in those terms. Yeah. No, no, I everything wouldn't have, in the, and now that I read the same. Yeah. Everything I read, he did. Yeah. So wow. there's one point where it says I'd, I'd lie for you. Now he'd never do that, but um, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, anyway, that, that was just a beautiful, and I, you know, I, I hesitate to tell people about it because they might think it's hokey, but, um, I know that I heard from God because I was in no state of mind to think that right you know suddenly to hear that and it wasn't it wasn't audible you know it was something I felt right. and I was not in the state of mind to think that and then the fact that it changed me yeah you know yeah. it was radical well and that that's when you know you've encountered God right mm-hmm. when when it is something that does radically mm-hmm. change you yeah um that's beautiful I, I just love that imagery I'll never hear that song the same way you know but even as you mentioned the title I could start to see all those pieces kind of falling into place of Mm -hmm. of his goodness and Mm -hmm. um how he just loves us Mm -hmm. you know everything he does he does for us he rescues us oh that's beautiful that's some good stuff right there um so you came um 
you had these personal encounters with Christ Mm -hmm. that led you to that place of of just surrender. Um, What was it that drew you? Because we do have people that listen to this podcast and people who are part of our congregation that are coming from different faiths. So what was it that kind of drew you towards um, the the Baptist faith? Uh, And how is it different for you? His name is Carrie Sarchet. Tell us a little bit about this guy. Well, um, and if you're thinking, wait, I thought your name was Carrie Sarchet. <laughs> it is. She's Carrie Sarchet, and he's Mr. Yeah. Carrie Sarchet. So tell that's us about right. Him. Well, I had been single for seven years, and I had been through counseling, uh, which was so valuable. Um, but my counselor had recommended that I get on eHarmony, Ooh. and he felt like I was ready, you're you ready. know. And uh, so I did, and but it. Everybody that I got matched up with, I was not at all interested in. And um, so I canceled my account Uh twice, actually. (laughs) And um, the last time I canceled it, like the next day I got uh, hooked up, not hooked up, that sounds terrible, but I got got, um, connected with a a man from Plainview named Carrie. And um, after I read his profile. Um, I was so interested, but I had canceled my account. And so I couldn't, I couldn't connect at all with him. Uh And he was trying to uh, send me messages. And I couldn't see him because Uh I had no account. But they're trying to get me back in, I guess. And so they're still sending me um, little teasers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Matches. And, um, I was not about to sign back. (laughs) I wasn't (laughs) going to spend the money. Um, and so he did something that was called a nudge. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't, when you don't have an account, you can't see their last names. Okay. And so he sent a nudge. And when I saw that, for some reason, I saw his last name and, um, I was going to church at the Methodist church with John and Jen Sarche. And they Uh were in fact in my Sunday school class. So the next Sunday I said, John, do you know a Carrie Sarche? And he said, yeah, that's my cousin. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Okay. So first I didn't know that connection either. So another cool thing. Yeah. And so, um, we exchanged email addresses through John. Oh, so John was a matchmaker. He was, he was. Yeah. And then Jen, I couldn't see, uh, Carrie's pictures at all Uh on eHarmony. And so Jen invited me over one day to look at uh, family reunion pictures. (laughs) Matchmaker, matchmaker, (laughs) make me a match. (laughs) And, uh, so then, um, we talked back and forth through email. We decided that um, it was after Thanksgiving, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that we would um, meet at the mall. Uh-huh. And uh, so we, I had his phone number. I still hadn't talked to him on the phone. And I went to J.C. Penney's at the time we were supposed to be there. And I walked and I walked around and around the um, upstairs of J.C. Penney's. And finally got at my nerve to call him. And when I called, I said, well, this is Carrie. Hi, Carrie. This is Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) I said, where are you at? And he laughed. And he said, well, I'm at Victoria's Secret. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he said, he told me later, she's going to think I'm a pervert or something. (laughs) And the funny thing is that Sandra 
last year, Sandra White, uh, told me what, that when the ladies at the church found out that I was meeting a stranger at the mall, <laughs> they prayed and prayed for me be, that he wouldn't be a pervert. <laughs> and uh, and then he answers and says, he said, Victoria's Secret. <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, I, uh, he told me that his daughter was in Victoria's Secret buying some Christmas gifts for the his other daughter. Oh, and uh, then we shopped at the mall I walked around with them and then we went out to eat and so you didn't just meet him you met him and his, and daughter. his youngest daughter <gasps> yeah oh my goodness yeah that's so, funny yeah so we went out to eat and he asked if he could date me oh so the rest is history I guess. and if you know Mr. Kerry Sarchet he's an amazing amazing he is guy. he is um he is such a godsend he's so kind so considerate mm-hmm. and um I don't deserve him, but, but he's wonderful. I think you do deserve him, <laughs> but he is he is just, he's a servant-hearted guy, mm-hmm. loves Jesus, beautiful singing voice. He's yeah. just, he's, y'all are a good match. He's my spiritual leader. That's awesome. So, so those things, going back to the things you had asked God for mm-hmm. earlier in your life for a relationship where... You had somebody who would go not only go to church with you, but that you yes. wanted to lead you yes. in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't it amazing how God has answered he has. all those prayers? So uh, right in the middle of the muck, in the mess, um, I had learned about King Hezekiah when mm-hmm. the Assyrians were threatening. And uh, the king of Assyria, I guess, had sent a letter uh, to Hezekiah of his intentions. And from what I understand, he took that into, into the altar or before the altar of God in the temple and put that letter on the floor. And I hope I'm saying this right, but it seems to me in my memory that he laid that letter on the floor and then he was prostrate before the, Mm. the altar or the temple of God the Holy of Holies. And, um, and so I wrote down all the things that I was praying for. Mm. And I know I had a list of six or seven things. Mm-hmm. I wrote those down, I put it on the floor and I laid down mm-hmm. over it and cried and cried and cried. And when I picked up that list, it was wet mm. and I took it to my kitchen sink and I lit it on fire and the mm. whole thing burned. Mm. And it was just a beautiful aroma for me. And I know that God answered everyone. I don't remember exactly what I wrote down, but I believe that he answered every one of those prayers. And he does. Mm -hmm. Not always as fast as we wish, or it's not always the easy path. Um, Because there's some lessons we have to learn along the way. You know, his his purpose is perfecting us, not getting us to the end point, Mm -hmm. right? So there's the journey is part of the purpose. So Yes, he will allow us to go through very, very difficult things. Yeah. Uh, some people say that God won't give you anything you can't handle. Yes, oh, he yeah, does. Oh, yeah, he will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Yes. But nothing he can't handle. Right, yeah. right. That's the big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So can you think, and you've mentioned so many, you know, whether it was um, your relationship with your father or it was, you know, going through a separation and divorce, um, but those some times that God really just stretched you um, and your faith really grew. If you if you had to kind of pick one, where do you think you would land? 
Yeah, I believe that it was in the midst of all of that hurt and rejection uh, where I grew the most. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't wish for that in our lives. No. but that's never been on the prayer list. No, but if you're going through something like that, um, we need to ask that God wouldn't waste it, you know, no. that it would not be wasted, yeah. that he would use it uh, for his glory, but also to help you grow in mm-hmm. your faith. And yeah. and so I believe it was at that time. Now, also, I had a lot of room to grow, mm-hmm. you know, there was a huge amount of growth that I needed. And, and so it happened during that time. Sometimes, you know, since then I feel like maybe I'm, I'm a little stagnant and, uh, I have to make myself read his word, read the Bible Mm -hmm. so that I can know him, know him more. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That time was, was beautiful. Yeah. It was hard. It was very, very hard. But when I look back on it, it's part of who I am and it, it's beautiful to me now. Yeah. And if you go through and you listen to these podcasts, you know, that we've been doing over this time, every single person with every single situation that they've gone through, that was a hardship. Every person has said the same thing. That was when I came to know God most. That was mm-hmm. when I grew the most. That was when he perfected something in me. So if you're somebody listening right now and you're thinking, I hurt, I am mm-hmm. not okay. Life is painful and I don't know what God is doing. Um, I think part of the word is that we would give you is, you know, trust the process, trust mm-hmm. what God is doing in your life, because there's going to become a day that 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 test becomes your testimony mm-hmm. and that right. trial becomes the thing that you hold on to so dearly because it reminds you how much he loved you mm-hmm. through that thing that you couldn't do on your own. Right. You know, the things that we can do on our own, that's not when we know we need God. It's mm-hmm. when we're struggling with things that we cannot, that we come to know him mm-hmm. the the deepest and in the most precious kinds of way. So if you're struggling, hang in there. Um, you know, Pastor Brad's doing a sermon series right now, you know, for those of us in the waiting room, you know, when we're waiting for the relationship to be fixed, the person to be healed, the shame to be taken away. Um, when we're waiting, he is always faithful. Mm-hmm. He is. I loved what you said earlier today to, you know, when you were talking about the Methodist church, when you were involved with them, that they served as your hospital, Mm -hmm. because I think that's another big part of it. You know, if you are in the waiting room right now, if you're struggling, be a part of a congregation of a church that will love you. Mm -hmm. You know, we would love to be that church, but if it's not us, find a place that teaches the truth of who Jesus is and let them love on you. We're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. the hospital to one another, aren't we? We are. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about um, what God is using to teach you right now. What is he teaching you right now? I think um, just that um, I can find him, uh, even though I'm not going through this hard situation that I mentioned that he is still there even in the mundane everyday life and even in the the little situations 
Um, I've told people this over and over. Anytime somebody loses something, pray and he'll help you find it. Mm -hmm. He will. Yeah. That seems like such a a simple, silly little thing, but he has never failed to help me. Yeah. Help me find something. Um, You know, as I'm driving to work, please help me, Father, to to drive safely Mm -hmm. and to make it work to work. Constantly praying. um, He's there. When you look out the window and you see a beautiful sunrise or sunset, you thank him that he created that, you know, and, and just, you have to be present and look for him in everything that you go through, through your day. Yeah. And so I think that's where he's stretching me that, that he's there. Yeah. He's always there. I relate to that. Um, I find that I am actually really good about um, connecting to God when I'm desperately in need, mm-hmm, right. but it's on the day in day out that it's so easy for me to think, you know, I got this, everything's good. So mm-hmm. how do you trust him in, in the calm and in the mundane right. and maintain that relationship? And that's I always, hard. Oh, it is so hard. What are some things you do that, that help you? You've mentioned a couple of things there. Um, um you know, giving your gratitude and, mm-hmm. um, looking to him in your, your daily things. Um, but are there some disciplines or some practices that have been meaningful to you? Yes. So one thing that Carrie and I, um, did started doing when we married is when we get up in the morning, the first thing we do is read a devotional together. Mm -hmm. And, um, then we have a scripture that we're memorizing. And so we do that together. We hold, you know, hold each other accountable. He'll recite the scripture, um, one day and then the next day I'll do it. And oh, so awesome. uh, we have a card file full of scripture. Oh, so, cool. Uh, that's one thing we do. Um, just uh, I'm reading through my Bible mm-hmm. and there are some days I, I don't get it done, mm-hmm. but I am doing it yeah. and I'm not sticking to the plan. I'm sticking to the plan, but not the calendar, the calendar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And so that helps me out a lot. There are some days that uh, I will read and I, I know I've read it before, but all of a sudden something jumps out. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. All the time. That happens mm-hmm. to me every day. Yeah. Every day. That's very cool. Those private disciplines, um, scripture memory, spending time with mm-hmm. God each day, praying, those are critical. Mm-hmm. And just like you wouldn't be close to Carrie if y'all didn't spend daily time together, we can't expect to have a close personal relationship with Christ if we're not spending time with him and yeah. making him a part of our, our practice. So, and other, other Christians, who, oh, you know, yeah. that believe yeah. who believe. Yeah. Which is why we think it's so important that as, as part of our group, um, part of our church that you're in small groups and mm-hmm. that you're on serve teams, mm-hmm. um, because those practices are catalysts of faith. Those mm-hmm. things that we do, are the things that that prepare our faith so that when we do find ourselves in times of crisis, we are already used to being on our knees, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I tell myself, and I talk to God all the time, you know, to please <coughs> teach me to take a knee before I am forced to bend a knee. Yes. I don't want to be good. forced to bend a knee. Mm-hmm. I want to take a knee, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, getting in those, those daily habits of spending time with God, um, seeing him in the sky, seeing him in uh, nature, seeing him in other people and in mm-hmm. circumstances and in the good. Those, those things are so powerful, aren't they? Mm-hmm. 
Well, as we get ready to wrap up, and here we go with the both of us to kind of get that. (laughs) We prayed before we started that we would be able to do this without coughing. And we've done pretty good. So it must be time to to wrap up. But is there anything else that that you think, man, Anna, you should have asked me this? No, I think I think we covered it. Everything that I was thinking of beforehand. I'm sorry, I'm about to <laughs> She's about to choke. <laughs> I think we covered it very well. Yeah. Sorry. So I am certain that as you have listened to this podcast, you know, you hear things <laughs> in Carrie's story that resonate with you. Um, you know, God is so faithful throughout our lives in the way that he sees us. Um, through all the ups and downs, the people he places in our lives. Those are all beautiful things. Um, the the role of a church in mm-hmm. helping us grow. Um, and may we always be known as a hospital, as mm-hmm. a place where you can come when you're hurting and um, find healing and you can help others heal on right. their journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just thank you so much, Carrie, for being willing to share your story with us. I yeah, thank you welcome. for all you've done for our church. You're um, welcome. Hasn't always been easy, no. and yet you're you've got such perseverance and such grace. You know, if I had to pick a word, I would say grace is a beautiful word no, for you. Thank you. So thank you for sharing your grace with us, and thank you for all that you do. Thank you to you, our listeners, for being a part of this. Uh, if you are interested in anything Carrie's talked about, whether it's how does she memorize scripture or tell me more about this walk to Emmaus, Carrie is always up here in our church office. She would love to visit with you further. We want to be the hospital for you. We want mm-hmm. to be a place where you and your family feel loved and cared for during the good times and during the bad times. If you need prayer, we are here for that. If there is any way that we can help you in your walk, we pray that you will do that. And as we just kind of wrap up today, you know, quoting that great theologian, Brian Adams, I would just remind you that Jesus wants you to know that everything I do, I do it for you. That's right. And you are so loved. Thank you for joining us this week. Check back with us next week as we have another great guest joining us on the First Things First podcast. Thanks for tuning in to First Things First. We want to invite you to join us for worship this Sunday at First Shallow Water. You can find us at 703 Avenue J in Shallow Water, Texas. Our Sunday morning service starts at 1030 a.m. Click on the link in the description of this episode for more information about our church or if you'd just like to reach out to us. Check out the previous episodes of this podcast. Make sure you do that. We really have had the privilege of hearing some amazing stories. And make sure you check back each week for a new episode. Until then, we'll see you around town.